for tuning in to the International Family Church Podcast. This is part two of our current series titled Missing Out. This series is about doing life with a community of people who can come alongside you and help you fulfill your God-given purpose. We believe God created us to live in community with others so we can experience the full life God intends for us. Meaningful relationships can be hard to find, and that's why life groups exist, to make life-changing relationships relevant and accessible to you. Our Life Group Finder is officially live on our website at intlfamilychurch.com. Search through dozens of available life groups right on your phone and see what speaks to you. From financial counsel and morning prayer to watching the Patriots game with friends, find a life group that will bring you joy and closer to God while connecting with others. Now here's Pastor Jonathan with part two of our series, Missing Out. You ready for God's word this morning? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your presence today. Father, we thank you for open hearts, open minds, open Bibles, open digital devices. We're just open, open to your will, open to hear what you have to say today. Because we believe, Father God, it's only in a place of openness can can we grow, that we can be better. Lord, we don't want to live in denial. We don't want to live, Lord, thinking that we're all that. We just, we just, we're just real people, Lord God, that, that want to hear truth today that will help us be the best that we can be. So thank you, Father God, that, that you have a plan for us today. It'll challenge us. It'll make us better. And for that, we're extremely grateful. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Welcome to part two in our four-part series entitled Missing Out. Missing out. See, this series is all about making sure that you're not missing out on all that God has prepared for you when it comes to His big plan and purpose for your life. See, many of us are missing out and we don't even realize it. Many of us are missing out because our priorities are crazy and our schedules are hectic and, and constant busyness and, and, and oftentimes just a general unwillingness to recognize and see clearly that there are next steps that we can take to walk in all that God has for us. There is a next step for everyone. Tell your neighbor, there's a next step for you. Now tell your, tell your second choice, there's a next step for you. Right? There's a next step for everyone. Let me tell you something. As long as you're alive on earth, there's next steps. We haven't arrived. And the moment you think you've arrived and there's no more steps for you to take, right, you're in trouble. How many know when you get to heaven, you're still going to learn? For all eternity, right? There's school in heaven. You might not have known that and probably didn't want to hear that. School? I'm so done with school. Well, learn your lessons down here, and there won't be so much school up there, right? So we're always going to be learning. There's always some step that we can take, and, uh, and we're grateful for that. Let me remind you of our series big takeaway. This is a series takeaway, so same takeaway each week. It's in the form of a question we've been asking you, and we're going to ask you again. Hopefully you've been doing your homework and wrote it down and considering this. What one thing? if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? What one thing, take a picture of it, write it down. What one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? Let me say it another way. What one thing, if you no longer had to deal with, would make your life better? What one thing, if you no longer had to deal with, 
would make your life better. So we're going to, again, help you to answer that question today. A great place to start is found in James, James chapter 3. We're going to read that in a moment. Today, I want to talk to you about how to cultivate healthy community. How to cultivate healthy community. Amen. Now, I, I, I understand that, um, that in a growing church, I get the fact that the bigger we get, the smaller we must become. And that's hard work. The bigger we get, the, more, the smaller we need to be. How to develop and cultivate healthy community. Amen. Over the next two weeks, I want, I, I want to help you with this. I've got a lot to say. I'm not going to get it all done in one service today. But I want you to see what I see. I want you to see the vision I have for the church. I want you to understand the spiritual DNA that goes along with church. That's why last week we talked about what? The, the importance of the church, why you need the church, why Jesus died and shed his blood for the church, why God set the church up the way he has. You need the church. If you ever think you don't need the church, that's arrogance gone to seed. Don't be so full of yourself to think you don't need the church. I'm not saying the church experience you had might have been not, might, might, might have not been perfect like it need to be or better than what it was. But it doesn't change the fact that we need the church and we need healthy community. James chapter 3, verse 18 says this. You can develop a healthy, robust community that, that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other Treating each other with dignity and honor. I'm not going to lie to you today. Healthy community takes work. Healthy community takes time. Healthy community, there's no doubt about it that it's not easy to find. We got to work with people that are not perfect and we got to work with our issues. And this is a challenge. It really is. But I, but I want you to hear my heart today. And I want you to hear how we're leading and the direction that we'll be leading in, not only this year, we're going to hear a lot about it next year as we continue to share vision of what God wants to do here in our lives. See, God's intense, his intent for us is to experience life together. As far as God's concerned, in the mind of God, life is to be shared. Amen. This shared experience is called community. This shared experience is called community. Now that word community has really lost its meaning over, over time. The word community has been reduced to fellowship and casual conversation and um, food and fun, right? right? Nothing wrong with that. We need all of those. But community was always meant to go deeper. Yes. Community was never meant to just be shallow and incomplete. Real community is so much more than just showing up for a church service. I'm glad you're here today. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to go anywhere else. Amen. So I'm glad you're here today. But community, what I'm going to talk about this morning is more than just coming to a church service. It's experiencing life together. A great place to start would be, let's define what community is. If you look up the word community, you're going to have a variety of definitions. Pieces of it might fit. But I believe this really fits, it, fits our, our context today. Community, a group of people that care about each other and feel they belong together. Amen. A group of people that care about each other and feel 
They belong together. Let's dissect this today. A group of people. So we're talking about real life human beings, aren't we? We're talking about people that have real issues, real dreams, real hopes, uh, the need for real answers, the need for, for uh, uh, people to come alongside, people. Man, it's all about people. Community is made up of real people, not ideal people. Amen. Imperfect people, not perfect people. That's why we say all the time here, no perfect people allowed. If you're perfect, you are dismissed. See you later. Thank you for your tithes. Anyways, moving right along. A group of people that care about each other. This is the backbone. This is, this is the, uh, the fundamental part, absolutely the core of healthy community. The individuals are um, uh, in a group. Are there. It's not a random group of strangers. These are people that feel like they have a relationship with each other. Amen. And they care deeply about each other. It's the secret sauce of community. It's, if you will, it's the magic. It's the life of community and how it happens. When people care about each other, they develop trust. And when trust is there, it unlocks teamwork, sharing, support, generosity, hope, safe harbor, and so much more. So they care about each other and feel they belong. Feel they belong. Amen. A community addresses the one fundamental of part, part of human needs. And here's what it addresses. Uh, uh, it, it addresses we are needed and known. Everybody has this need. It's basic to human nature. It's basic. Talk to any sociologist or anyone who, who deals with people and the core needs of people. Uh, there are more than two, but it addresses these two major needs we each have. Am I needed and am I known? Does somebody know me? Does somebody know my name? Am I needed? How do we address these two basic needs here at IFC? Well, amen. We are needed. That's, that's a dream team. Yeah, get on the dream team and you realize how much you are needed. We need you. We need your gift. We need your ability. We need your heart. Um, we need to work together. And, and known, that's joining a life group where people know your name. It's not hundreds of us. It's not many hundreds of us. Man, it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. And, and we are known and we know each other's name and we're learning each other's story. We understand each other's history. Amen. That's the key. Um, and feeling like they belong. Go back to that definition again. Feeling like they belong. And so it's they belong and this last word is so important. Together. Together. A community gives people a sense of shared identity. The sum is bigger than the individual parts. And, and this shared identity matters because it takes the group beyond simply a gathering of individuals, man, now to a team, now to people. How many know you got people? My people. Right? You got people. 
you got peers, my peeps, right? You've got, there's a tribe, and that tribe is called International Family Church. It's made up of all, almost 60 different nations and four generations, and, and, and every economic um, uh, status uh, from one side to the other. Man, these are people, and you feel like you belong to these people, and, and together makes all the difference in the world, which opens the door for the ultimate purpose of community, and here it is. Ultimate purpose of community, to experience a safe and healthy environment where we are able to remove our masks, express our desires, ambitions, fears, and weaknesses. And that's a mouthful, isn't it? That's the purpose of community. That's God's plan beyond Sunday morning. That's God's plan beyond seeing the back of somebody's head. Amen. And, and, and seeing somebody face to face in circles, not rows. Pretty amazing. Fulfilling the second part of our mission here at IFC. You walk through those double doors every Sunday across the cafe on the second floor, and what do you see? The four parts of what we feel we're called to help you with, and that's to do what? Know God, find freedom. Community addresses our second mission to help you find freedom. What's the next one? Discover purpose, and what? Make a difference. Amen. Now, think about this. To be honest, the greatest challenge that makes community a, uh, and a, a very challenging opportunity that really makes it and presses through those who are, are having a challenging time to make community work. What happens, what hurts authentic, satisfying community is all the masks we wear. All the masks we wear. You just wonder how many times, what kind of mask, when you drive into that parking lot, that you take out of your glove compartment and you put on before you come to church? How many masks do we wear? How many masks, how many different kinds of masks are there? So you might ask, what's a mask? A mask is a false face used to hide the real you. Wow. It's a false face used to hide the real one. And oftentimes, we're never in circumstances. We're never in places where we can do one of these things. We always feel like we got to wear this mask, that, that we, we, we can't be the real us that God made. Why do we wear a mask? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons. And for the most part, people fear what other people will think about them and that will ultimately reject the real them. So we wear masks. Otherwise, other reasons why we may mask is because we're hiding our hurts and our shame and our guilt and our low self-esteem and our anger, just to, just to mention a few. Why do you wear a mask? Now, here's the challenge about wearing masks. We get so used to wearing our masks that we relate more to our mask than the real us. I've been doing this a long time. And I'm telling you, sometimes it takes years for me to discover the real you. I see people begin to blossom and open up to the gospel. Man, thank you, Rebecca, for your testimony this morning. Wasn't that awesome today? Thank you for being real, Rebecca. Thank you for helping us to understand this today. Amen. And how challenging that has been. And I, 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 I'm amazed how I see people blossom before our very eyes. And I get to meet a part of them I didn't know existed a few years ago. 
But man, thank God for his word. Thank God for authentic community. Thank God for a, a group of loving people. See, while this series is directly, it's not directly about masks. That'd be a great series, and we need to do a series that way about that. But today, this, this portion of my message in next week is all about making sure we have the proper building blocks here at IFC, so we can provide the right atmosphere where people can begin the process of removing their masks. I'm not saying it happens at once. I'm not saying one day and it's done. I'm not saying that we're even open to doing that. But there has to be an avenue. There has to be an opportunity. There has to be the right environment. There has to be the right building blocks. And that's my heart today, to help us get beyond the 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 mundane and get beyond the surface um, aspect of our, our relationship with God. And we need to grow in this. And the process of removing our mask is hard work so we can be all that God wants us to be. So how do we cultivate healthy community? You ready? Here we go. Healthy community requires authenticity. It requires authenticity. Authentic community is not superficial, surface chit-chat, it is a genuine, heartfelt, sometimes gut-level sharing. It happens when people are honest, who are who they are, and what's happening in their lives. And, and this is the challenge. Here in this environment of authenticity, they share their hurts, reveal their feelings, confess their failures, disclose their doubts, admit their fears, acknowledge their weaknesses, and ask for help and prayer. Wow. Yes, that's who we want to be. That's the church of the living God. That's the church that Jesus died for. Absolutely. Can some of this happen on Sunday morning? Of course. Can you get prayer after service on Sunday morning every Sunday? Yes. But there's something about doing it in a loving community where it absolutely begins to open up your life because authenticity is exactly the opposite of what goes on in many churches. I've been doing this a long time, and I understand that instead of an atmosphere of honesty and, and openness and, and, and humility, there is pretending and role-playing and politicking and superficial politeness and shallow conversation, and people wear masks and keep their guard up and make a, a front that everything is rosy and, and wonderful in their lives. And these attitudes are the death to healthy community. Amen. It's only when we become open that we begin to experience true community. Here's a key verse to true community. Here in James 5, 16, it says, make this your common practice. Wow. So this shouldn't be rare. This shouldn't be once in a blue moon. This is a common practice. We're talking about biblical community. We're talking about the DNA of every child of God. This should be our practice I'm about to read. This should be something we do on a regular basis to stay healthy. What is it? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Amen. Wow. Rebecca talked about a few people that God brought into her lives. We're not talking about a whole congregation. We're not talking about standing up in front of the whole congregation and saying, well, I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with that and I blew it this way this Friday night and, and I've been, this has been my secret um, for, for so many years. I've been living this and living that. It's not talking about that. It's talking about in a very small, select group of people that God begins to open up your heart and you begin to share the, some of the intimate moments of your life. I love what Pastor Chris Hodges from Church 
Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a church of over 40,000 people. We go there often to learn and to grow. They have more small groups than they have people going to their church. That's pretty amazing. Here's what he says. God brings forgiveness. People bring healing. God brings forgiveness, but people bring healing. See, God forgives your sins, and he'll forgive you this morning. And if you don't know the Lord is your personal Savior, you can give your life to Christ today and start a brand new, a brand new journey, a brand new spiritual journey. But you know what? We need special people, friends, and a small group of support system in our lives that will tell us the truth, that will be honest and real with us, and, and will not be impressed by us. I need people in my life that are not impressed with me. Come on. Let's be honest. Oh, I know we like being revered and impressed and being impressive and so forth, but man, sometimes people that are impressed with you, they're, they're just taken back by you. They're not necessarily being real with you. God brings forgiveness, but this verse tells us, the verse, go back to that verse, this verse tells us that it's our common practice that we need people to do this. This is about people. This is about a small group of people. Do you have those people? Do you have this going on in your life? Do you know that God forgives you and that people can bring healing into your lives? Well, this is so good. How do we cultivate healthy community? Here's another aspect of this. Healthy community requires mutuality. Mutuality. What is mutuality? Well, mutuality is the art of giving and receiving. It's depending on each other. It's knowing you have people that got your back. People that have your back and you have their back. It's mutual. It's a win-win situation. It's not just, if you scratch my back, maybe I'll scratch yours. That's not mutuality. Mutuality is we're in this together. We're going to help each other no matter what it takes. I'm not giving up on you, and you're not giving up on me. And I know people that have, have, a, have, a, have a strong yesterday of history that they're dealing with in their past. I know it's very difficult because you know, you know how to make people give up on you. You do that well. You do that well. Well, you'll give up on me just like my dad did, just like my mom did, just like my ex-husband or ex-wife did, just like that pastor did, just like that, that member that said they were all so spiritual that gave up on me. And so you train yourself to make sure that when people get close, you reject them before they reject you. And that's why you can't remove your masks. Seven times Rebecca moved. Seven times in 10 years. How many people here at IFC, you moved some plum place else, and I'm glad you're here because you made a good choice. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. You pick up your roots, and you go down the street, and you put your roots down there, and they get too close, and you pick up your roots, and you go over here and plant yourself down here, and no wonder why there's no fruit. I wonder why there's no flowers growing on your tree. No wonder why you can't grow big enough for others to come under your shade. Come on, somebody. Why? Because we don't know how to do this thing called life. We need mutuality. We need people that believe in us, and we believe in them. And even while they're actively rejecting us, we're saying, I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Maybe you have to do the ha, 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 but... 
I don't know where that came from, but anyways. Listen, the way God designed our bodies is a model for, the underst for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part depending on every other part. That's what I see for IFC. Are we great at it? We're getting better. Every part dependent on every other part. Mutuality is the heart of community, building reciprocal relationships, sharing responsibilities, helping each other. Romans 1.12 says this. It says that I want, us, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. That's community. That's God's plan. All of us are more consistent in our faith when others can walk alongside of us, add their faith to ours. And God expects us to do whatever it takes to help one another. Amen. So important. Mutuality. So how do we, how do we cultivate healthy community? Next one is healthy community requires empathy. Empathy. Man, we're living in a day and age where it's hard to find empathy. The Bible word is sympathy. But empathy is a strong word. And when you're hurt, it's hard to have empathy. When you're grinding, it's hard to have empathy. When you're hustling, it's hard to have empathy. Man, when you've been hurt and, and you're trying to pick the pieces up together again and do whatever you have to do, man, it's hard to be empathetic. But true community, healthy community, has Empathy. Empathy is not giving just haphazard advice or offering quick cosmetic help. Empathy is entering in and sharing the challenges of others. Mutuality, I got your back, but then I'm going to do something about it. Amen. Empathy says, I understand what you're going through, and I want to tell you, you're not crazy and you're not strange. Wouldn't it be great to know when you're losing your mind and you've got a faith challenge beyond your understanding and you think I'm not cut out for this and I don't have the goods and I'm not good enough like those other Christians. I don't have what it takes and I've got a worse past than you and I'm a screw up and I'm a loser and you're thinking all that. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody come alongside and say, hey, 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 I'm an ex-loser. I'm an ex-crazy person. I've lost my mind, so if you will, to sin and crazy decisions. And I get you. You're not strange and you're not crazy. That's called empathy. Oh, to God, would we have more empathy in our lives. And the reason why we're not empathetic is because we love prejudging people. It's called prejudice. We judge people on the color of your skin, the color of your hair, your past, your vocabulary, your certain words that you might use that are too colorful for me, right, or for somebody else, and we prejudge you. And when we prejudge you, empathy goes right out the window. Amen, Amen Pastor. Thank you, Jesus. That's good preaching, Pastor. You go. I don't need your encouragement. I'll encourage myself. Amen. Empathy meets two fundamental needs. Listen very carefully. The need to be understood and the need to have your feelings validated. When you're living in a marriage and your feelings aren't validated, you long for it. You feel like no one gets you and no one's listening to you. 
You're trying your best. You're screaming out for help, and either by your words or by what you're doing to yourself. And you're screaming out for help, and there's no one there to empathize with you, to validate you, to help you know, I, I get you. I don't know all what to do yet, but, but we're going to figure this out. We're going to get you to help. We're going to get you somewhere to talk and share and, and don't keep so many secrets in your life. Every time you understand and affirm somebody else's feelings, you're building community. Amen. Oftentimes, we're in such a hurry to give a quick fix that that's not real community. Or we're so full of our own issues and hurt that we don't have time to help you. And self-pity kills empathy. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 2, I love these words, share, share. Man, remember that? Share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Man, it's in times of deep crises, deep grief, deep doubt that we need people the most. And oftentimes when we're in the deep crises of our faith is when people leave us. And the friends that you know are your friends are the ones rushing in when everybody else is rushing out. When everybody else is jumping ship and saying, man, you went overboard now, amen. And you've got those few people that are rushing in or those few people that are swimming out to you with the life rope, amen, and that life raft and, and that lifesaver. Man, those are the ones you can count on. That's the people I'm talking about. Because in the midst of that, when you are wondering about your own faith, you need somebody else's faith to say, I got you. I got you. I'm praying for you. You don't know what to say? I'll say it for you. Your mind is so confused, you don't know what scripture to stand on? I'll give you one. I'll believe with you. I'll confess God's word with you. I'll text you. I'll, I'll email you a bunch of scriptures. I'll be there for you, right? Let's go to lunch. I'll come over at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Let me tell you something. We need a small group of friends to have faith for us yes. when we have, it seems like we have none for ourselves. Yeah. Empathy. Empathy. How do we cultivate community? Mercy. Man, healthy community requires mercy. Let me tell you something. When you're going through the worst time of your life, how many know you need mercy? Yeah. You need mercy needs to win over justice. I tell people I always want to be caught in the side of mercy because there's going to come a day where I'm going to need it. See all those judgment people when they need mercy? Oops. Oops. Man, they're judging everybody else. And there will come a day in everybody's life where they need somebody to be merciful to them. I thank God God doesn't judge us the way we humans do. But let me tell you something. It's tough for us humans when you're always judging to give you mercy. I want to I wanna be on the side of mercy because I used all my mercy yesterday. Hello. Anybody else in the room know what I'm talking about? That's why his mercies are new every morning. Right? Because pastor used all up yesterday. Sheesh. Wow. I know I'm telling the truth. We all need mercy because we all stumble and fall. We all mess up. We all didn't want to go there. We all didn't want to say that. We said we'd never go there, and we did. We got desperate, and we began to drink from where we said we'd never drink from. We got desperate, and we ate from where we said we'd never eat from. We started hanging out with folks. We said, well, I'll never hang out with people like that. And lo and behold, there we are. There we are. 
and we need mercy. We absolutely need the mercy of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 7 through 8. Man, the word of God just nails this. When people sin, you should forgive and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. You should make them sure of your love for them. I'm not saying you're not disappointed. I'm not saying you're sad for what took place. I'm not saying you don't want to kick their butt from here to Long Island, right? I'm not saying, suggesting any of that. That might be true, right? But because we understand, because we've been there, done that, we can't do that. It's not right to do that. We need to make sure they understand you're not giving up on church. You're not, or at least God, you're not giving up on God. You're not giving up on his word. Amen. And we're going to see this thing through. You should make them sure. Do they know? Even though you're disappointed, you still love them? You still believe in them? You still want God's best for them? Wow. You can't have community without forgiveness. God's word warns us, don't hold grudges because bitterness and resentment destroys community. It destroys families because we're imperfect. We're sinful people. We, we desperately hurt each other when we are working hard to get along with each other, give each other enough time. It's inevitable, whether intentionally or mostly unintentional. It's there. It happens. So we need massive amounts of mercy, massive amounts of grace to create and maintain healthy community. Colossians 3.13 says this, you must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Let me tell you something. I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough to not forgive somebody else. Because if I can't forgive, then God won't forgive me. If I can't forgive you, I better be living a sinless life. I better be Mother Teresa incarnate. Right? I need to be somebody that I'm not, and there's no one like that to, to live that way. We need massive amounts of mercy. Let me tell you something. You got to remember, you will never be asked to forgive anybody who has, who God hasn't forgiven you even more from what you have to forgive other people for. Yeah. God's forgiven you for a whole lot more than you would ever have to forgive somebody else. You got a choice to make. Amen. You can use your energy and emotions for retaliation or resolution. You can't do both. Wow. Healthy community means you need authenticity, mutuality, empathy, mercy. And finally, for our last one for today, healthy community requires humility. Oh my, humility. Self-importance, smugness, stubborn pride blocks our ability to find freedom faster than anything else. Pride builds walls between people. Humility builds bridges. Humility soothes is the oil that soothes out relationships. We need humility. We need to be teachable. That's what humility means. I'm open. I'm open that my opinion might not be right. I'm open that I could be wrong here. I'm not stubborn and, and sticking to my thoughts no matter what anybody else tries to tell me. I can't tell you many people I've sat down with and, and, and the wife and their children and friends and myself have tried so much to show them another way and they were just so stinking stubborn and they got, they got stuck in a certain place and man, they, 
they eventually can lose everything. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5, dress yourself in humility as you relate one to another. That needs to be our dress. It needs to be what's in style always is humility. And it goes on to say, it goes on to say, why? Because God opposes or he resists the proud. But God gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I need grace. What's, what's the definition of grace? Power beyond your ability. Oh, I need massive amounts of grace. So do you. But it, calls, it takes humility. It takes a person to say, you know what? I'm wrong. It takes someone to say, I'm sorry. It takes someone to, to really be humble enough to admit their weaknesses and to be patient with other people's weaknesses. We want everybody to be patient with our weakness, but we don't want to be patient with yours. Being open to correction. Cheering each other on to victory. Amen. C.S. Lewis said this, one of the greatest statements there has been said about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Now, it wouldn't be God's will. It wouldn't be part of God's plan to think less of yourself. Right? Because God made you royalty. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. So go around saying, I'm no good. I'm a, I'm a terrible sinner. I'm a mess up. I, I, I'm, I'm just like this person or that person. That wouldn't be God to think less of yourself in that way. But humility does say, you know what? It's about time that I think about myself less. And think about somebody else. Right? Give my attention to somebody else and not just keep it about me. Me, 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 me. Right? And humility says, I, I, I'm going to think of myself less. Amen. I'm not going to always be on my mind. Mm. There are many benefits that you'll experience in a small group. Many benefits being committed to a healthy community. Many benefits. It's an essential part of our Christian walk with God, and, and, and it can't be overlooked. And some of you might say, well, you know what, Pastor? I already have community. I'm already involved in sports. I've got my community in the dance studio. I've got my community on the soccer field. I've got my community in, in this area and that area, and I'm a part of this group, and I'm a part of, of, of this group in my town, and, and I've got my community. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't have any of those communities. Thank God for those communities. But let me tell you something. Take inventory of your communities. Because if your community doesn't help you get free, if your community doesn't open the door for you to let go of your past so you can have a healthy tomorrow, then maybe you should recheck some of your communities. I'm not saying get rid of any of those communities. But I'm saying your priority needs to be to make sure you're a part of life-giving community that matters for eternity, that changes your life. While it's a great experience, the camaraderie of being on the field and learning who your neighbors are and, and absolutely enjoying that fellowship and that conversation and that shared adventure of your children in soccer or hockey or whatever the case may be. I get it. That's important. But make sure the community that you really rely on is the community that helps you get free.
For over 2,000 years, Christians have gathered in small groups. The church was born with small groups. Small groups were what made the church grow. It what discipled us. It what strengthened us. It, it didn't just cheer us on like Sunday morning does. And Sunday morning is inspirational. And Sunday morning, I'm, set, I'm not suggesting that it's, it's not deep. I mean, we, we get into some deep things as we did today. Absolutely. But it was the small groups that kept everybody strong when all hell broke loose. And people were abandoning the church because of persecution in the first church. It was the small groups that kept gathering when they couldn't gather in the large group. When they realized that we needed each other, even if they had a meet in secret, they stayed strong and kept their faith because of small groups. It was good to birth the church. It's still good to bring the church to a wonderful climax until Jesus comes back and takes the church home. Amen? Amen. Again, our big question, what one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? You heard some things today that could be that one thing, your next step. What one thing, if you no longer had to deal with, would make your life better? You know what's a great next step for you? As soon as the service is over, don't run to the car. Use those wonderful, healthy legs of yours. Walk up those steps. Go into that beautiful cafe and meet a new life group leader. Amen. Pastor Tom's waiting for you. Amen. You don't want to use those legs? Press the button and go up the elevator. <laughs> right? Press the button. Go up the elevator. Beat me up, Scotty, to the second floor. I'm telling you, it's a great next step. Perhaps after this service today, you can go to next steps and actually go to step three in our growth process, our growth plan that we have to help you become integrated and a part of the family here at IFC. There's a place for you here. Let us be your people. Let us be your tribe. I'd be honored to be your pastor. We'd be honored to this pastoral team to come alongside and help you in whatever situation you find yourself in. Amen. We want you free from your yesterdays so your tomorrows are unlimited. In Jesus' name. Don't miss out on God's highest and best. Come on, let's stand to our feet. My time is over. Raise those hands towards heaven today. Wow. Good message today. Thank you, Father, for truth. Lord, we raise our hands to you and we say thank you for your love today. Thank you for truth today. Thank you, Father God. We want to see what you see, Pastor. We, what you see, Father. What you see for vision. What you see, God, about the church and how we, the church, should, should be in these last days. And Father, thank you for helping us to open up our eyes and see clearly what we're missing. And when we see it, help us not to be unwilling to take that next step. To go through that process of beginning to maybe remove that mask from our face today. We love you, Lord. Thank you for amazing grace today. We bless you, Jesus. If you're here today and you'll say, I don't want to miss out. See, it all starts by making sure Jesus lives in your heart. 
It all starts by saying yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and asking Him to forgive you from your sin. Get right with God today. Make heaven your home today. That's where it all starts. It starts right there. If you've been away from God, come back home. You've been away from God, His arms are wide open. They, he's never closed His back, closed His arms, or turned His back on you. It's not the God I serve. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I can't do this by myself. You say, Pastor, I've never opened up my heart to say yes to him. If you have already, God bless you. Good for you. Keep growing in God today. We'd love to help you. If you say, Pastor, I've not started my spiritual journey. I've not filled that God-sized hole in my, in my soul with God. Everything else. But that stuff don't work. It's just a mask. Jesus is here, and he wants to start our relationship with you. You say, Pastor, pray for me, please. I need Jesus. I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand, not because I want to embarrass you or because I'm going to call you forward. I just want you to acknowledge you have a need for Jesus, and you are declaring, that's what I want, and I want it now in Jesus' name. If that's you, will you raise your hand nice and high? Let me see who you are. Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you all the way back there. Thank you. Amen. Yes, thank you. I see it over there. I see it over here. Thank you. Over there, thank you. God bless you. Yes, I see it. God, thank you. God bless you. Awesome. I love when hands go up that fast. Who else? Yep, I got that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good for you. Good for you. It's good to have good friends to come alongside to help you. Who else today? I'm ready. Time to take that next step. Who else? If you're joining us online, we want to pray for you too. This is a holy moment. It's a very personal decision. How can we help you? Let, me, let us pray for you. That's the start. Anybody else? Raise it up high. Yeah, thank you. I see it, sir. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Let's pray this together. Whether you raise your hand or you know in your heart, this is my next step. Let's all together pray this together. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm tired of missing out. I want your highest and best. And I ask you, Jesus, forgive me from my sin. Come into my heart. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. By faith, I receive salvation. I receive forgiveness. I receive eternal life. From this day forward, I will serve you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Wonderful. Thank you for listening. To stay connected to what's happening, visit intlfamilychurch.com, subscribe to our podcast, or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We can all grow deeper in our relationship with God. Next Steps is a four-step growth track that meets each week after each service that will help you grow and reach your full potential. Come to Next Steps to discover your God-given purpose so that you can help make a difference in the lives of others. For service times and more information, please visit intlfamilychurch.com. Thanks again for listening.